right. Good morning, church. Let's try that again in the lobby. Good morning, church. Awesome. Uh, he is risen. Let's do it again. He is risen. That is such great news. Amen? That is such great news. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, we can't let you meet and greet and go walk around the room and COVID style, but would you stand, just wave at someone, say like hi from afar. All of you stand, say hi to someone, uh, maybe down the aisle from you, compliment them that they look great. Will looking good back there, buddy. Will's about to get married here soon. All right, stay standing. Let's do this for a second. Go ahead and stay standing with me. Uh, I can see you in the back if you're sitting. Uh, if there's ever a day to let loose, if there's ever a day to celebrate, if there's ever a day not to look and act like you're at a funeral, it's Easter. Some of you need a little Pentecostal vaccination in you. Because what we're seeing about what we're doing here this morning, this is not a game. We are defeating death here, standing by our Lord Jesus Christ. What we do here matters. What you do matters. As you worship, it matters. Our kids watch you. They watch to see how passionate you are about this truth. Or if it's just ho-hum, we're doing our taxes. They're watching you. They're listening to you. They're observing you, and they will model after you. Your apathy or your excitement is dependent on you. Because what we're going to do here this morning, this is not just another message. This is not just going through the motions. This is literally about life and death. We come here this morning after a year of almost half a million people, over a half a million people that have died because of this virus. And some of them did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them did not know the hope. Some of them did not know the truth. And they will spend eternity away from the Father in the pits of hell. And then there are some who know Jesus Christ, who know his truth, who know his power, who know his rescue, and they have died, and they are with God the Father today, rejoicing with the armies, kneeling before his throne, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I'm going to invite you, if you don't know this God, if you don't know this truth, if you have not given your life, uh, pledged your allegiance to this truth, you will have that opportunity this morning to change life forever. I'm going to ask you right now to clap like you've never clapped before because this is Easter morning. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Today, today we join with millions around the world, millions who will gather together to proclaim the life, the death, and the resurrection of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. 
They will wear bonnets. They will have donuts. We will have Easter lilies. We will have lunches. We will gather together as family to proclaim his sacrifice, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, and his power that has never once been slowed. It has certainly never been stopped. And it continues, even this morning, to grab lives that were dead, that were rusty, that were, that were apathetic, and bring new life to them. That's what he does, and that's what we will do here this morning. I'm gonna ask, uh, you all are standing. If you're at home, I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're so glad that you're joining us here in worship. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday to you. We hope wherever you're watching, whatever you're doing, that you are blessed this morning with the truth that we will read about here this morning. We have two passages. One is out of the book of John, chapter 20. Both of these passages will be on the screen. It'll be on your TVs at home. For those of you in the lobby, it'll be on those screens as well. One is at John, chapter 20. The other one is Ezekiel, chapter 37. First, we begin in John, chapter 20, verse 1. Listen to the words of the Lord. Listen to this truth as we proclaim it. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Let that be a lesson to you. He reached the tomb first. He stooped and he looked in and he saw the linens, wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her, because they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But he didn't recognize, or she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? And she thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and she cried out, Rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting at verse 1. 
the Lord took hold of me. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with dry bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, or your version might say mortal, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. That is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever had a moment where you realize uh, you're talking with someone and you're really supposed to know who they are? <laughs> Any of you? Maybe it's old age. Um, yeah, you're talking to someone. They fully know you. And you just cannot place them for anything. You know that you're supposed to know them, but it's just not clicking. Maybe for whatever reason, uh, maybe you just met them. Maybe, maybe it's a recent introduction, or maybe it's been quite some time since you've spent time with them, or you went to school in elementary school with them, and they're like, I can't believe you don't know me. We were, we were in kindergarten together. And they expect you to know them, or like any of you, uh, maybe your coworkers, uh, one of your kids, you just, you can't remember why do we have this relationship? And then there's that moment where things click and you go, oh, I do know them. And you begin to place them. Now, I'm not going to talk about if you're wrong in how you place them. Let's assume that you're right. You place them and immediately when you realize, I know who I'm talking to and they know who they're talking to, and it just clicks, and the conversation changes. Raise your hand if you've ever been in that really awkward moment. Yeah, it's just not very fun. This passage in Ezekiel that we're going to unpack briefly here this Easter morning, this Old Testament story of realizing who exactly you're talking to is, is probably and arguably best associated with Pentecost, it's normally when it's kind of talked about, but we're going to talk about it here this morning where, where the role of God's breath, the role of God's spirit does something uniquely special and it stands out. In Ezekiel's vision here in chapter 37, the Hebrew word is ruach. So go ahead and say that. Ruach. Just kind of spit as you're saying that H, that guttural H. It means breath and wind as well as spirit. Ruach. It's repeated 10 times in 14 verses. Wrap your mind around that. There's not many words in 14 verses. 10 times. In police world, we call that a clue. To, to, to listen up, to watch, to observe. Why is that there 10 times in 14 verses? On Pentecost, we hear the wild spirit's regenerative work of new belonging and new creation. That's what we read about. The prophet Ezekiel, let me uh, give you some insight to this gentleman. This prophet Ezekiel speaks from a place the Bible refers to as Babylon, if you're new to the Bible. He's exiled from a country that has dried up. It's died. Its temple and its capital city is absolutely destroyed. It's, it's in ruins, if you would. He's stricken by, by mourning and pain and grief. The Judean exiles are like lifeless bones, unable 
to get up and walk. And I wonder, have you felt that kind of pain? Have you felt that kind of pain that, that almost handicaps you? That depression kind of takes over, that, that the anxiety takes over, and you literally just can't move because it hurts. For a lot of us here in, in the greater Boulder area, we've experienced a taste of this over the last two weeks. And yet in these circumstances and, and in our circumstances, Ezekiel discovers something beautiful, divine grace. It's an incredible discovery because this grace originated the work of the creator of the universe. It all started with grace, the making of humans from dust and breathing into them the ruach of life, the breath of life. And now Ezekiel says, God will act again. He's not done. God will act again. He will use his spirit to bring new life to people dead as bones. In the story, the Lord asks the question, mere mortal, can these bones, these people who once rejoiced and worshiped me, can these bones live again? And the Lord receives a reply the answer is you, and only you know the answer to that. This naturally begs the question for us, what does God know? Well, one way that we get a, a, a small piece of that answer is we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus to receive our answer, and, and it, because in Jesus, God knows what bodies know from the beginning of being born to growing up. He's aware of that. In Jesus, God knows what it feels like to be warm and to be cold, to be loved, and to be betrayed, to be broken. God knows what it's like to laugh and to have hope. God knows what it's like to cry through Jesus. God knows what it means to be afraid, to be in pain, even to die. God knows what it's like to come to life in a tomb and to walk around looking like a gardener dirty from working in the yard. He knows. He knows that and a whole lot more. Most importantly, he knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your struggles. He knows your joys. He knows your doubts. He knows your pain. He knows and he cares about you. So that's God. What do we know? Now we might, this might be a faster conversation. <laughs> What exactly do we know? Well, like Peter and yes, Mary Magdalene, that Easter morning, along with the other disciples, we can know what we see, but it doesn't mean that we understand it. Are you with me? You see, they, they knew what they saw, but they didn't quite understand it. And the same is true for you and I. The Bible tells us that, that these folks that were there at the tomb, they go home believing but believing what? Merely believing that the tomb is empty? Is that it? 
Is that all they realized and, and went home believing? Yes, there's an empty tomb. Let's go back to Mary. Mary Magdalene, she stays in the garden. It's mentioned four times that she has been weeping. Her eyes already puffy from lack of sleep, from the trauma and anxiety and torture of watching the crucifixion. She must be an absolute mess. Some of you are criers. I'm married to one. Some of you are criers. You know you can relate to Mary. Just that the way that it comes out in you is uncontrollable tears. And imagine several days of crying. She's a mess. She's a mess because the body of her Lord was not only destroyed, but now it's missing. See, death is hard enough, but to, to have a, a grave stolen. And she runs into a stranger. Maybe, just maybe, he's the gardener. And she asks him whether or not he took the body so that she can go and take care of the body properly. Confusion rules the moment here. It's crazy. It's stressful. Again, we know how the story ends, but imagine being at this point in the story. There's a lot of unknowns. You see, like the disciples at the tomb, we see and believe our own experiences, but often we don't understand them. Often, like the people at the tomb, we don't understand it very well. And like Mary Magdalene, we have trouble recognizing the resurrected Jesus. Even if he's standing right before us, we sometimes have trouble even recognizing that this which is in front of me is Jesus. And here, I want to help you, here in part is why. Why sometimes we struggle with understanding Jesus and recognizing him. Because he had to recognize her first. This is how God rolls. This is what he does. Calling her out of a moment of despair and calling her into his resurrected life. That's what Jesus does. It's what he did that morning. That's what he does today. He will do it when you and I are long gone from this planet. That's what he does. And this Easter, the, the resurrection obscures God, who God is, until God reinitiates contact with us by recognizing us and calling us by name. And friends, God is calling you by name. Today, in the midst of donuts, in the midst of beautiful Easter flowers, yes, in the midst of COVID, God, the creator of the universe, is calling you because he's crazy about you. He loves you. And one of the ways that this happens, this work of God through his son, Jesus Christ, is on a day like this. 
is on a day that we come together and we celebrate and we watch Christina. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say fiddle. It's not a fiddle. It's a violin. <laughs> Whatever violin people do. What is that called? What's this? Boeing. We watch Christina Boeing. That's what happens here today. I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to music, but I like it. I just don't understand it. The cross, the tomb, and the resurrection, listen, is how we experience life. It's the filter to which we view life. The best life that God has available to us is viewed through the filter of Jesus and his cross and his death and his resurrection. That's how we go, oh my gosh, life really is amazing. Through that filter, we experience that life. And yes, it is both with the pain and the joy. It's this paradox of God that is true for you and I today. And because of the Holy Scriptures, we know what God knows, that these dry bones, that your dry bones can live again, can come to life, that can have energy, that can give your allegiance to God and experience all that he has waiting for you. It happens on days like this all around the world. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3, reminds us, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Do you not know that? Therefore, and, and little caveat here, this is what generates praise. This is what generates, I can't handle it anymore. I've got to yell and scream and dance and raise my hands and go nuts because there's no better truth than what I'm about to read. Are you ready? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, you are in bad shape. And now you have life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. That's the hope you have. There isn't a single person here who fully enjoys their sin. You might be habitual in it, but you're, you don't enjoy it. There's some of you that are still enslaved to it. You have, you have no power over it. In fact, it has power over you. And the Easter message is that can change in a blink of an eye. That you could leave today and not allow sin to have power over you. That you might no longer be enslaved to your sin. And I want to say to you, if you are here today and you are hurting, if you have pain, if you are broken this morning, then you find yourself in the best place possible on earth in front of the king. This is what he does. This is who he is. Friends, the, the body of Christ is the church. We, collectively, we are the body of Christ. 
If that's old hat, I, I encourage you just to dwell on that for several days, and it might not become old hat. It might become very perplexing because you are the body of Christ. The people of the cross, the resurrection, given new life in forgiveness and called by name by the breath of the king. Not called by a pastor. Not, not called by a ministry leader. Not called by your spouse. Not called by your kids. Not called by a really good friend. Not called by your boss. You are called by name by the king. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. He is not defeated. Jesus Christ, who was crucified, God has raised. That is the truth. That is our hope. And in that resurrection, God does something very special, very personal. He gives you hope. He gives it to you. You can have hope. If you've ever laid in, in bed by yourself or sat in your room by yourself or, or have had such anxiety that plagues you and you're wondering, where is this hope? Like, where is this peace? Everything in my, my world is unraveling and you can just kind of feel it. I know you know what I'm talking about. What I want to say to you is there is hope. There is peace. He gives us the promise of life, the promise that God is with us now, that death cannot defeat us, that the power of God is stronger than that, that you are stronger than the powers of this world because Christ offers to live with you for us, for all the world, to take these dry bones and give them life, to breathe. To speak. Well, how, how exactly does that work? I, I just can't stop telling you about the promises found in this book. Because the promise is that God will give you a new heart. He'll give you a heart that, that breaks for the things that his heart breaks for. He'll give you his peace. He's called the prince of peace. He'll give you his peace. He'll give you his provisions. He'll give you his hope. He'll give you his strength. He'll give you his wisdom. He'll just give it to you freely of no cost to you. Just believe. Just trust me. And this isn't a heart of, of mankind's own making. This isn't a, a self-help book. This isn't uh, something you go to Barnes & Noble and get a book and study about and read about and watch some YouTube videos and enact it. It's not that kind of a heart. Not a heart that people can obtain for themselves by being good enough, by being kind enough, by be po being polite enough. This new heart this new spirit is God's. He literally gives you his heart so that you can live and think and act the way he does. And then he flips it around. This is another sermon, but he flips it around and that's then how you become his hands and feet as you love and you care and you serve the other not with your heart, 
but with his. It's a spirit enabling the people to do what they could not do before. That is to live as holy people before a holy throne of God. Ezekiel chapter 36, one chapter prior, spells this out clearly. Here's what he says. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove from your body, what? A heart of stone. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. And then, only then, after God has done his work, after he initiates, after he calls you by name, after he recognizes you and pulls you close, then, then you shall live in the land that I gave your ancestors and you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is what he does. He does this. He's done it to me and in my life. He's done it to several of you in this room. God adds sinews and joints and muscles and tendons and flesh to bone. And then he covers it with skin. And yet we are still lifeless. We do not have the power to live. We need more. So it's only when God tells the prophet to speak to the breath or the spirit, if you would. And Ezekiel does so that the spirit blows from the four winds and the bodies that are laying all over the ground, they begin to come alive. Why? Because the spirit, the breath of God, breathes life. And this, this reminds us God initiates Friends, for for those of you who are here and for those who are are watching online, either Easter morning or maybe you're watching it later on, I I wonder, is God initiating with you? I, I don't know that, only you do. You know if the Spirit of God is prompting your heart saying, you've been away far too long. You've wandered away, as the song says, you're prone to wander, and that's okay, I love you. You can come back. My arms are open wide. No questions asked. Only forgiveness. I'm here. I'm available. He acts first. And for some of you, he's acting first right now. And I beg you, don't ignore that voice. Don't ignore that prompting. Stay focused. Push the enemy away. Listen to what God has to say to you. God implores the prophet to call the spirit and only when the spirit enters them do the people come to life. And the people coming to life by the power and the spirit of God is a beautiful, powerful vision of Easter. Amen? That's what it is for you and for me. One of my favorite movies is the Shawshank Redemption. Anybody else in this room? It's kind of sad. If you, like Sandy, if you just do not like sad movies, then you may want to just bypass this one, but uh, it's one of my favorites. Towards the end of the movie, Red, 
who's played by Morgan Freeman, who's the secular voice of God, if you didn't know that. He makes his way along this rock wall up on this hillside, and he comes to stop near a huge tree. He stops there, and following the clues left behind by his friend Andy, I just realized I'm kind of spoiling the movie if you haven't seen it. I just apologize. Watch it anyway. I didn't think about that before I wrote this. I'm like totally messing the whole thing up. How many of you have not seen it? Okay, I've only heard a few of you. So he, he follows these clues left by his buddy Andy and, and he stops along this wall and, and he finds the rock of volcanic glass. And he takes it out of the plastic and he opens the box to discover an envelope that's filled with money and a letter from Andy. And in the letter, Andy writes these words. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Friends, even in our uncertainty, even in our anxiety, Ezekiel's vision of dry bones coming to life by the very power and the Spirit of God is a hope-filled reminder of Easter. That's what we do. God renews us daily, and he will continue to give you a new heart. You just got to ask. He will give you a new heart that praises him, for he has risen, and dry bones are coming to life all around us. Everywhere we look, I can assure you, having sat with hundreds of law enforcement officers over the last couple weeks in a place that is always championed as the most unchurched place in the nation, I can assure you dry bones are coming to life in the name of Jesus Christ. God is taking that which the enemy intended for harm, that which the enemy intended for evil. He's turning it on its head. He's strengthening the church and he is defeating death again and again and again. That's what he does for he has risen. And may he meet you this morning. May he meet you in a personal way. May he call you by name as he, you meet with him outside of the tomb. May he pull your heart close to his, embrace you with his loving arms and remind you there is life to be lived that is more exciting and more powerful than anything this world can offer. This is what he does. And may he, as he pulls you close, remind you how truly precious and beautiful you are in his eyes. May the breath, the ruach of life fill you and guide you and set you free. And may the hope bring your bones to life as we worship the risen King who is alive. He is alive. He is alive. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Stand with me. 
raise hands, sing out like you've never sung before because this is the hope. This is the truth. Let yourself go. Be embraced by the God of all creation. Embrace and worship the King of kings and Lord of lords because he has risen. He has risen indeed. God bless you. We love you. Let's worship together.